Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruskin. I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin and welcome to another, well, today if you're listening, most likely snowy day here in Wisconsin. And as always, our excuse me, our Executive Director, I don't want to take away Robert's title here, uh, Robert Craig is with us. Robert, it's great to have you. Well, it's such an illustrious title. It's like the role <laughs> of president. So, you know, a senator, of course, you're senator for life. I love that. So, well, Robert, we got a lot of great topics today, including at the end of the show, folks, we're going to be joined by Sarah Godlewski. Um, Sarah's helping lead. Uh, she runs a PAC, which we talked about when she formed last year. We were very excited uh, about that PAC, and she's going to join us later to talk about how she's doing a whole tour with a number of groups, including us, Planned Parenthood, a whole bunch of other groups around the state about Roe and what's at stake in the Supreme Court election. We'll have Sarah on later to talk more about that. But Robert, before we dive in with Sarah later, we're going to have a few segments here. And I want to talk about we got Supreme Court race. Some new ads have hit. We want I want to hear your thoughts on those. We also have some stuff going on at the state state legislature. Um, news also this week just came out about Governor Evers' plan to give the brewers money uh, to help rebuild their roof and other things that we have talked about. We got some news on that. Uh, But, Robert, and and one other thing, folks, we're going to talk about some news around China and particularly Gallagher's committee and just our deep concerns that uh, don't, uh, that have not changed about what we think is a growing, not rational uh, anti-China sentiment and Cold War brewing, and and it is a bipartisan problem. We're going to talk more about that later in the show, but before we do that, Robert, I want to get your thoughts on the state Supreme Court race. Um, in particular, we have been talking throughout this race about the ads because the, we are now at a historic rate of spending for a Supreme Court race, not just in Wisconsin, in this entire country. And we're not even to the end. We're going to more than double what's already been spent, which means, folks, we are going to obliterate national records for Supreme Court spending. And we've been talking about this. These ads are trash. They are they are pollution to the democratic sphere. I would venture, I'm just guessing off the top of my head, about 80% of the ads now uh, between the primary and the general now have been about crime, sensationalized. They've been disgusting. They add very little to people's understanding of what's at stake in what is a historically important election with the balance of the court. And we're getting record amounts of it. Robert, this week, the WMC dropped $3.2 million in these just gross crime ads. There's another crazy ad out there talking about just going after, quote, the trans agenda of Janet Protasiewicz, which is shocking. Robert, uh, it's just when you think these ads can't get worse, they do. And remember, all of those friendly TV stations with the smiling anchors they put in front of you and weather people that are supposed to be part of your family are profiting handsomely from this. And that their lobbies in D.C. would 
viciously oppose anything that cut off the spigot of Citizens United and record spending. So remember that. Um, and that that is, you know, padding CEO salaries, corporate profits, et cetera. And all the political consultants who get a cut of this, they're paid general. There's so people know people who do ads, they're paid for their consulting and for cutting ads and other advice. And then they get a percentage of the ad buy. So if you're placing a $3 million buy, you know, you're getting enough to buy a nice house out in Waukesha County, okay? That's what I'm talking about here. So there's a lot of profit in this. And then there are profit behind it trying to get a Supreme Court justice, Justice Kelly, who will do their bidding, right, and and prevent them from having liability, uh, or, of course, their ideological bidding. I'd say the Democratic ads, Matt, on your analysis are half-half, probably abortion, which is a legitimate issue in the Supreme Court race, given the situation in Wisconsin with the 1849 law and crime. It's shocking and stunning that the same kind of ads, you could change the names, they're indistinguishable, are running from both sides on crime. Not only they mislead you on what a Supreme Court justice primarily does and not raise the actual issues, they are very dangerous on what makes us safe. And they're they terrible. back to the 80s and 90s that set up of uh, an ex a grossly expensive system that defunded higher education and K through 12 education, the social safety net, creating this mass incarceration system and creating a situation in Milwaukee where Milwaukee is begging the Republicans to allow them to raise regressive taxes on, on, on the citizens of Milwaukee, one with the greatest uh, you know, ec economic disparities and poverty levels in the state, so they can the biggest ticket thing they need to do is to pay the police pensions. And of course, we don't do anything to keep us safe on mental health, on treatment, on everything that would actually prevent crime in the first places. We can't mm -hmm. afford it. And this all drives that. And I, the only question, Matt, strategically here is, if both sides are running the same ads on crime, are we in danger? I'll pose this back to you of Harry Truman's adage that if you're trying to choose between a yeah. fake Republican and a genuine article, you'll you'll take the genuine that, article every time. That they that if you really want to go and and hang everyone, then you're going to vote for Kelly. And that's that's the concern. That that's a that's the legitimate concern, right? Like so that at the end of the day, this stuff is flowing, and Janet can run all her ads, but you at the end of the day sort of forget, and you're just thinking about crime. And I'm sorry, but the average person is going to hopefully rightfully assume if you want to hang them high, you should vote for the conservative judge. Who's in the right mind going to think, oh, the tougher judge is going to be Janet Protoseowitz. And by the way, if that's a fact, then like, you know, why, why would we vote for Janet? And that isn't a fact. We know that that's not a fact. But folks... I under we understand how important it is to win this race, right? Like we're knee deep in it. We're out doing doors. I'm currently recording from Eau Claire because I've been do doing doors the last few days in Western Wisconsin and La Crosse, and we're going to do them in Eau Claire today because it's important. But when we spend, God, it could be twenty five, thirty million dollars in ads that pollute this discussion of what makes us safe. There's not enough money that is spent the rest of the year in just civil discourse that can unpack all that. And this is having a, just a 
it's just, it's just horrendous to think of what this is doing for our democracy uh, when it's this kind practice, of money is spent. This spent, it's just. And I thought maybe because we had a rare situation where Democrats got the drop on Kelly after the primary that maybe since they were divided, the problems are given up, but you don't spend $3.2 million. I agree with their UW political scientist who said this, um, if you're given up. So now comes a lot of this because they're going to need to spend a lot to drag this this tired horse, Kelly, and extremely flawed candidate over the finish line. Uh, but, you know, as to the Democrats, everyone needs to win this race. It, we're not going to have a functioning democracy. You can't with this right wing Supreme Court. Sure. The Constitution doesn't presume a super legislature with one ideological perspective overseeing the government. That's not what anyone in the federal or the state level who created our constitutions had in mind, and it's not considered a real democracy. Neither is the gerrymandered legislature where only one side can win, which this super legislature, this right-wing Supreme Court has been holding in place because WMC, I think we don't want to pass over too much, WMC's strategy from the mid-90s as part of U.S. Chamber of Commerce strategy was to take over state Supreme Courts with big money, take these sleepy races and make them partisan so they could make sure that they themselves, that major corporations would never face liability for harming people and that the big guy would always win. And here they are again in their name. And we keep saying, oh, it's this awful Kelly or it's this awful Robin Voss. WMC, they are the author of the Walker administration. They are the author of Act 10. They are the author of every of the attack and destruction trashing of Wisconsin democracy, folks. And they run around getting interviewed like they're the economic leaders of our state. And they're thoughtful, mostly white men, thoughtful white men with much wisdom about how the economy works. No, they just want all the money and they'll get it any way they can. Robert's absolutely right. In fact, if you want to look at the beginning of this, I believe Frontline did a fantastic story oh, maybe a decade ago about Texas and the Texas Supreme Court and how this strategy really, I believe, was birthed in Texas. And it may have been Carl Rove cut his teeth, um, essentially uh, turning the Supreme Court of Texas into a highly political game that used big money and ads like this to go in and basically flipped and turn what was, I believe, a more even or even liberal court into a, one of the more conservative reactionary courts in the country. But anyways, that has spread. And um, now we are far and away the the supreme spender in this area. And it's just it's let's hope it works. Let's hope we can win this election. But unfortunately, we're going to be paying for and unpacking these ads for years because yeah. these will leave these will leave an impact on people that make it very challenging to pursue the kind of um, what makes us safe the policies that make us safe um, that we need because people are gonna just be super freaked out and it's unfortunate but folks we got to take a break when we come back Robert I'll give you a chance to have the last word on this and then I do want to um I do want to talk a little bit about what's going on also uh, in Madison at the legislature. You're listening to The Battle in Wisconsin. Welcome back to The Battleground, Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Uh, later in the show, we are going to be joined by Sarah Godlewski. Until then, we're going to keep talking um, what's going on here in the state. Robert, I wanted to give you the last word on the state Supreme Court election. 
well, we have to win this race and it's about us. It's about democracy being a participatory sport, not a spectator sport. And we have to win it despite our allies. The Democratic Party is a coalition of everyone who's not a neo-fascist. And so the only way we can have a fair Supreme Court is if we all come together, we'll need to have it out later about the use of the crime issue and how it set us back. But we need to win this race. We won't have any option to ever do criminal justice reform if we don't have an actual Supreme Court that actually judges the law fairly and justly. And so, and and really it's it's voter contact now because that there's going to be a complete confusion between the dueling crime acts where people either tune out and don't vote because, oh, both candidates just want horrible mass murderers to run the street and go without any punishment, right? And then I just want to, close on the business leaders behind all of this who get away scot-free. Even progressive media doesn't name them as the true culprits who are funding all this. And since the United is designed so they can try to hide their money, but in this case, it's in the name of Wisconsin Manufacturing and Commerce. Take a Tim Sheehy. I'm going to take an individual, the head of Milwaukee Metropolitan Association of Commerce. Who brought us Foxconn, Robert. He's the guy who takes credit for Foxconn. That was a big corporate subsidy based on jobs uh, promises that they knew to be false. Does he subscribe to everything in the ads he and his close allies in the business in the in at the top of the business committee in this state are funding does he support all of the doctrines the bizarre doctrines adopted by judge kelly he'll come and be a respectable person like uh and uh and had nothing to do with any of the dirt the dirty work these are just these are just nothing to do with him uh, really, folks, we need to wise up and understand the power, the corporate power really behind all of this. Absolutely. And again, like I said, these are the folks who brought you Foxconn. These are the ones who, you know, when Walker was trying to take credit along with Trump, Tim She was running around going, no, 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 no. We're really the ones who helped bring Foxconn here. Well, thank you, Tim. I saw him testify live. And Foxconn. thanks for these ads. These ads are all wonderful. The words about how what a game changer be for Wisconsin and what a tremendous investment it was. And yep. did anyone ever hold him accountable? Of course not. He's back telling us, telling Milwaukee how it should how, how it should create economic prosperity as his advice has run Milwaukee into the ground and created higher and higher economic inequality and racial inequality. Robert, I want to flip over here to Madison. Uh, and, you know, we, we like to, on the show, make sure we keep an eye on the state legislature. Um, in part, right, the media hole is a lot smaller, the news hole covering this. So um, we want to make sure that we're constantly keeping a focus on what the state legislature is doing, even if it is, you know, a gerrymandered legislature. And unfortunately, Robert, that produces often a lot of bad activity. We're going to see it play out in the state budget. We've been talking a lot about the state budget. Um, a couple of things I want to get your comments on. One is uh, a report about Evers' budget creating a structural deficit. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. But also, um, this week, Robin Voss announced that he th- that Evers' plan to uh, help the brewers out, with, I believe it was just short of about $300 million for roof repairs and other, other things, is, is dead on arrival. Um, just want to get your thoughts on that. And obviously any other things, right. We're heading in now into this critical budget session. And, uh, this week joint finance committee announced a whole whopping four sessions that will, 
exclude the entire area of Green Bay and the Fox Valley. You apparently the third largest media market is not or second largest media market, right, Robert, or third, third largest is not important enough to have a budget hearing in. Uh, but uh, folks, yeah, budget uh, joint finance hitting the road the day after the election. That's a that's a nice one if you were <laughs> planning on testifying, Robert. Your thoughts on some of the activities in Madison. So let's start with the structural deficit from the Wisconsin Policy Forum. It is a bit of a frustrating report. You read the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel story, which has a banner headline across the fold in the paper version saying state faces structural deficit, which falls right in the boss's hands on saying, oh, no, hold it. Don't move so fast on this surplus, right? And spending it, I think, that would actually help anyone. And so, um, but you lead the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel story, different headline on the online version, and less prominently featured than above the fold, like like the paper version. Um, it doesn't say how big the structural deficit is. And I was curious because I thought, uh, it's possible Badger Care expansion could uh, cover the structural deficit because it's $1.6 billion this budget and moving forward since you get it every budget. It's not one-time money. In addition to the $2.5 billion you get for health care, expanding health care for that direct health care spending. That $1.6 is money you could use for anything, general purpose revenue, it's called. And so what I will say is this. The Republicans want a structural deficit. Why? They don't want to fund the schools. They don't want to fund local government. They don't want to fund higher education. They don't want there to be a social safety net. They want people to have paid family medical leave or or affordable child care, on and on. So this surplus is a messaging problem for them. And now they're going to claim like the National Republicans to do whenever the Democrats are in charge, we're concerned about the deficit. Then they'll blow all the money by giving it away in tax cuts for the wealthy when they actually have power, the biggest deficit spending has been in the Reagan era, the W. Bush era, and then especially Trump. Okay, so why would we trust them on the deficit or or, or fiscal? They want to make sure that the, the that 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 the they give all the money away, so there's no money for it for all the uh, positive programs the public wants, like the guaranteed health care, like the high quality public schools, and so here's where Governor Evers is making a mistake, Matt. He has no revenue plan. He has more tax cuts. They're not as badly regressive as the Republican ones, but they're still not great. And he let and, and Scott Walker gave the corporations giant historic tax cuts with no strings attached. Don't have to create a, a single job. And there's been no proposal by this governor to roll that back. So look, and, and two- in our response, there's no discussion. This is really easy. We just we need to stop throwing away revenue and have enough revenue so that we can do what the state needs to do to expand prosperity and to act in the public interest. Yeah. You know, you could do a wealth tax, right? What Biden is doing. You could talk about that. There's lots of things you could do that would change the dynamic on revenue in the conversation. You, you mentioned man ag tax credit. That's not something we talk about much anymore because I think everybody's given up hope that that will ever Go back, which, by the way, folks, the man egg tax credit functionally means most businesses, a lot of big business. No, they don't pay any taxes at the state level. And so if you really want to start to get, you know, some parity and 
get fair share, you would repeal that. And that would have been a centerpiece in the budget. In fact, Democrats used to fight to try to get that repealed. It seems to have fallen off the radar, which is extraordinarily disappointing. Um, and you're right, Robert, it does put us in this weird position where we're, we are continuing to shrink what's available for the resources to achieve the things people want. Robert? And, and let me just say to his credit, yep. President Biden also puts through a corporate minimum tax. There's no corporate minimum state tax in this state, right? So huge expenditures are done on behalf of business all the time. And now we, we expect nothing of them in return. Then we strangle local government. And then we're surprised that property taxes go up. And that's still not adequate to pay for vital public services. Or people will be looking for wheel taxes and sales taxes and all these other mostly regressive taxes compared to a to a income tax, right? That you could spread properly at the state level, right? It just, it's it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Robert, I, I do want to get your comments on this crazy. Republicans are blocking child vaccination requirements. It's, I, I, I just, I don't understand. What is, this is really dangerous. And I don't think a lot of people know this. And there was Tell some raised right-wing group lobbying them, um, that all that the Department of Health Services is doing is doing what every legitimate public health agency does around the country. They're updating the vaccine standards based on the science. So they're, they're putting in meningitis, which is a huge danger to kids. Uh, they're making sure because it's falling off that some more verification of chicken pox vaccination. There's some other changes like that. All it would do according to UW-Madison uh, medical experts, is bring us up to the standard most of the other Midwestern states have already achieved. So then we get this craziness. They were attacking the state's chief medical uh, officer, Ryan Westergaard. Uh, if you ever seen him, he's the most milquetoast, kind of technocratic uh, public health expert you've ever seen, a uh, fairly youngish guy. And 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 monotone and they're blasting him at the Anthony Fauci of Wisconsin and taking away freedom and they're going to do this I mean Steve Noss is chair of the committee a well-known lunatic and apparently he has a lunatic committee that is going to endanger children's lives for their fake view of what freedom is and by the way our vaccination laws have parental opt-outs there is no any parent who doesn't want this doesn't have to get it which you could question the Safety of that, Matt. You're Robert, Robert, right? But they have a way out. It doesn't matter now. Everyone is not allowed to have vaccines. Robert, before we go to break, who's the co-chair of the Lunatic Committee? I this I missed the appointments to the Lunatic Committee. I want to see it though. It, is this not like what you might call their Joint Finance Committee members who meet in caucus? Maybe oh. following the great Jack Nicholson movie, it's the Cuckoo Nest Committee. Oh. With that, folks, we're going to take a break. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. We're talking about Wisconsin politics. Next segment, we're going to be joined by Sarah Godlewski to tell us about this awesome tour that's coming to an area near you. But, Robert, before we have Sarah on, um, 
we got a tough topic to talk about because it's dear to our hearts. Uh, we both come out of the labor movement. Uh, I'm a former union organizer. My wife is a union organizer. We used to do political work together at SEIU that tried to leverage politics to help make it easier for workers to organize and you know protect their rights. And um, you know, the state, the whole Scott Walker war on workers and union rights. The numbers continue to be really depressing, I would argue, around where unions are in terms of their membership declines continuing. Um, God, when I got started in this work in the and I, as a union organizer in the 90s, people were bemoaning the small numbers in labor, and we're half that these days here in Wisconsin, Robert. There's been some great efforts. A lot of unions are trying to organize Um certainly an uptick in different styles of organizing grassroots organizing that provides a lot of hope and potential models, but the aggregate numbers, Robert continue to, 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 to be bleak. Um, tell us more. So we'll post a link. Um, it's a national public radio story. It's actually, I mean, they do some good reporting, but this is very, very good reporting. This is more the kind of reporting you would see in American Prospect or The Guardian. Um, so deep reporting or intercept, something like that. And uh, they really get deep on what's going on here, that there's all these flashy victories because, my goodness, a lot of workers are taking to their own hands and trying to organize, right? And you're seeing the progress at Amazon in New York, you're seeing uh, Starbucks store by store, though it's a tiny percentage of stores. You look at a Starbucks, structurally, the problem is co modern corporations are designed by design so that it's much harder to organize. It's tons of tiny little places they can easily close rather than the one giant factory at Ford, right, that you can organize and is a stable investment. And that's been deliberate. In addition, Labor laws are rigged against unions, even though the labor laws were not repealed, they have just been interpreted and changed without ever being repealed. So we have the New Deal infrastructure uh, for, for protecting labor rights, which was supposed to give workers the primary control and option. It was a goal was to give workers the ability to organize, not to give corporations all these rights that prevent it. It's gone the other way. And so, but you add those up, it was despite all of the incredible heroic work by a lot of work, gig workers, and there's all sorts of examples I'm skipping over, right, all over the country, they're still in decline, the labor numbers. And that has means power is going down, means there's less resources uh, to fight the incredible resource of corporate America. And even if the Protect the Right to Organize Act was passed, which it would have passed without the two setters that believe in the Jim Crow filibuster, um, that would make the current process better, but it wouldn't change the structural problem of having to organize tens of thousands of Starbucks. And you can add all the other franchises, right? And all the other structures that have been set up to make sure that, uh, and, you know, manufacturing now is often manufacturing to be moved easily. So they just close it and move it somewhere else. And they put it in anti-union places like the South, like Mississippi. And so, what the, what the experts at Cornell University, which is the gold standard for labor research, they're interviewing the right people, um, are that we have to go more to a European system which where they have sectoral bargaining 
where basically there's bargaining over whole industries. So if we're taking coffee baristas, coffee baristas is a standard contract that everyone has to adopt and people automatically become part of the union when they are employed anywhere. And that is a thing even the, the even the most progressive part Democratic Party are not proposing right now, but that's what it would take. Look, folks, you know, we care deeply about the right to organize. We're a union shop at Citizen Action. Um, this is an important issue. We're going to continue to talk about it, but we wanted to at least make sure you were aware of this story. We'll have a link to the NPR story. Please check it out. Um, it's a critical issue. Uh, Robert, unfortunately, we are tight on time. So I, 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 there's two more things I want to get your comments on before we get Sarah on. One is I, I skipped over. Uh, Voss announced this week that he, the Republicans aren't going along with the Evers stadium tax. Want your thoughts on that. And the, and then the other thing is we do, I, I want to get your thoughts on the crazy Mike Gallagher uh, hearing that had bipartisan, just sort of nuts bashing of China. That's like not rational. Robert first Voss, in China, we're covered. We're straddling, straddling here. Your thoughts? Well, I think they're against the Brewer Stadium because Evers is for it. And <laughs> I all, but I also don't think they want to be responsible for driving the Brewers out of town. So let's see. I think this may devolve it, become stick it to Milwaukee. Remember Tommy Thompson, make just Milwaukee pay and not yep. the whole state through the surplus. So watch what that is. There, they love corporate subsidies. By the way, this is a better corporate subsidy than manufacturing agricultural tax credit, because at least we know transparently what we're getting. So in deference to the fact that sports stadiums are not good economic development tools, at least the decision being made transparently, not true. With and, most and, of their corporate and to our listeners, subsidies. if you want if you want any more on that, what Robert just said, that sports stadiums are not good financially. Listen to our show a few weeks back with Dr. Rosen talks extensively about that. Robert, continue. So then on China, uh, this is a sleeper story, Matt. So I'm glad you uh, you brought it up. Um, our own representative Gallagher from Green Bay, who has developed this reputation as an honest, respectable Republican who, who you can deal with, not like the MAGA win, um, been put in charge of chairing this China committee that's looking like something out of the Cold War, like the House Un-American Affairs Committee. And the first hearing was unhinged, where Senator Gallagher accused China of everything, everything wrong in the U.S., including things that aren't wrong, like the unemployment rate. We have record employment in this country, right? And so it's ginning up this anti-China uh, hysteria that's very much like the hysteria in the late 40s around in the China lobby, who lost China and then the early Cold War with the Soviet Union, and can make this world a very dangerous world. Just having these hearings in this committee makes China more in battle, more confrontational, and they're a superpower, okay? And they have nuclear weapons, and they have a and lot they of- they have a lot of people, and they have an economy that is deeply integrated with yes. ours because the same corporate elites that are now ginning up the Cold War- are the ones who integrated our economy, shipped our jobs out, 
And they said that China, this would democratize China. And look what we have is the same clowns now telling us it's a communist hellhole. Robert. And it's causing waves of anti-Asian hate in this country that is not, it, it includes, but it, it extends beyond even Chinese people because uh, hatred knows no bounds. It becomes all Asian people. Okay. Now, Gallagher also is the odds on favor to be Tammy Baldwin's opponent. So all the Democrats who are tell, saying this is a good committee, and they are, there's a bi, there's almost bipartisan agreement on this. And what a good job Representative Gallagher doing are setting him up to, to take out Tammy Baldwin. And he's yeah. going to run on tough on China, okay? And here's, I want to say this to our moderate allies who listen to Battleground Wisconsin, more moderate than us anyway, you could be center left. There was a great column last week in the Washington Post, and he let off his popular CNN show on it, Fareed Zakaria, um, on how crazy this is and how dangerous this is. And uh, people should go and read it, but he is a very mainline person. He is not a progressive, but he does do good foreign policy analysis. And he says this is not based in anything, and it's extremely dangerous. And I just read yesterday that the NASA security assessment from the Biden administration actually says that China doesn't currently want a confrontation with us. Why would they, they Robert? De-escalate, but this kind of politics makes it much more likely because China is going to feel threatened and outraged, uh, and it is an autocracy that 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 has a lot of issues, and we are not endorsing them at all. But I'm saying. We do not want to create another Cold War. We will not get any of the progressive forms we believe in. That's what ended the New Deal. It's the, the last Cold War. All right. Look, I'm going to interrupt you, Robert, because we're coming near an end. We're not going to stop talking about this. I don't care if it's not popular. I don't care if Democrats are lining up to bash China. It's a terrible idea. It is, and it has been actively putting our own Southeast Asian citizens at risk. Look at the hate crimes the last year. It is awful. It is directly related to this rhetoric that is not based in actual real risks and threats to this country. And again, Robert is 100% right. You want to empower Mike Gallagher? Keep making this committee super powerful, right? And, and super relevant. And Democrats saying that this is a threat, right? Great. And Robert's 100 percent right. Folks, you think we're going to uh, tackle climate genocide and all the issues that require resources if we're in a Cold War with China? Come on. We got We have got to stop this. And I'm sorry. I understand it's politically challenging, but <laughs> welcome to the world, folks. We got to take a break. We're going to be joined by one of our favorite activists, leaders, members, Sarah Godlewski, on the back end of this break, folks. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin, where Citizen Action, you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are joined by Sarah Godlewski. Sarah, thanks for coming on today with us. Well, hello, everyone. It's so great to be with you all. And um, I was just listening prior, and I cannot agree more about how scary this Asian hate that is just uh, perpetuating. My 
actually my cousins are, or my nephew and niece are um, part Asian. And my sister called me recently just in tears because of like the derogatory terms that they were just getting yelled at in a grocery store. I mean, it, she's like, this is unreal. And she's worried about the safety of her children. Yep. So Sarah, obviously, right, has a direct impact in this micro or this macro economic impact, too, if we ended up in a Cold War. But thank you for your thoughts on that. But we did not have you on for that. <laughs> no, you look, we um, when you announced last fall uh, that you had started this pack, um, we were super excited about it on the show. And we're like, bravo to Sarah. This is really smart thoughtful. And then you supported a bunch of amazing women running for office. Um, now you're back at it with this absolutely historic state Supreme Court race, which we talk endlessly about both the importance of it, also some of the junk that's going on with it. Uh, but there is no escaping. The most important issue in this election is the constitutional right that folks have uh, to an abortion to their own health and then healthcare more broadly. So tell us about what you are launching this huge tour of the state around this issue. Tell our listeners more about it. So we are meeting Wisconsin voters where they are, which I think is always so important and directly talking and engaging with the community. And I think one of the best ways to do that is let's go on the road and do a rally. And so we are doing a rally for our rights and not just Madison and Milwaukee, Matt, we are going all over the state. There's other parts of the state, Sarah. I mean, believe it or not, there <laughs> sure are, uh, says the uh, Western Wisconsinite. But right. uh, there, so we are going to Appleton. We're going to Eau Claire. We're going to La Crosse. We're also going to Green Bay. And what I think has been so important is that we are engaging with people who have never been involved in things like this before because they are horrified about what has happened and how they've been impacted post the Dobbs decision. And I know this is something that, you know, Matt, you and I have even talked about is I, you know, I've been pretty ticked about our own party and how we had 50 years to make Roe v. Wade the law of the land. Like, why haven't we prioritized this issue? But we finally now have a real opportunity because the state of Wisconsin Supreme Court will be hearing the future of the 1849 ban. And we've got to make sure that we've got a majority progressives that are representing on the bench. And now is the time to do it through these rallies. Well, look, folks, you heard the places uh, Sarah's traveling to. It's already she's already more busy than the Joint Finance Committee's. Agenda. <laughs> um, I'll just leave it at that. But uh Folks, please, you need to get involved. Robert, I want to give you an opportunity to ask Sarah a question. I think you're so right about the Democratic Party on this issue. I mean, I, when I worked for SEIU in the aughts, was much more, you know, a lobbyist. And that was when you did in-person lobbying, right? And our friends at Planned Parenthood were asking Democrats when we had full majorities to codify abortion rights. And they never want to do it. They go, oh, well, you know, we have a couple of pro-life Democrats in the legislature. We dare not. And, oh, people in northeastern Wisconsin wouldn't support that. And they were just afraid of their own shadow. You'll notice that Republicans often will do unpopular things because it's something they want to get done, right? 
Yeah. We need to get, have more of that. This should have been done a long time ago. So it's a self-inflicted wound, but we can correct it if we have a real Supreme Court. It's not even a matter of, I mean, I hope it's a progressive majority, but just real judges that aren't just right-wing ideologues in robes that will only find, always find one decision. It'll be, they'll find a way to justify it through the, a fake legal argument uh, that, that, that that isn't democracy. That, that our constitution, our state, and our federal assume independent courts that fairly and equitably interpret the law and apply it as history evolves. You have to apply the First Amendment when it was written before there was social media, before there was electronic media, before there was even mass distributed newspapers, folks. So what's happening? They're adapting it, right? So what do you do with an 1849 law, which a whole lot of preceding laws passed by this legislature clearly show that that legislature thought it was null and void and didn't exist anymore. Then what, what's the underlying law? It's in confusion. And then Sarah, you notice how the state, the right-wing state Supreme Courts expedite things like keeping Walker out of jail when he was, when he violated election laws flagrantly, flagrantly in uh, the recall elections, they expedite those, right? They expedite things around the stealing of the governor's power in the lame duck session. But this, it's crawling through at a snail's pace and no one knows what the law is. And we're finding in other states, there are women whose lives are being endangered because doctors will not give them necessary care because they're afraid of being branded as murderers. Well, and I mean, I literally was talking to um, a woman in Western Wisconsin yesterday who was sharing her story that she was pretty far along in her pregnancy and the fetus had basically died and she was at risk of going septic. And this happened just a few days after the Dobbs decision. And she's literally in the like hospital with her doctor. They are looking on their iPhone, what they should do or where she should go. I mean, she is getting sicker and sicker by the hour. And we have the medical techniques that have been safe and effective. And she wasn't allowed because somebody said that this wasn't pro-life. Well, this woman would have died. And is that pro-life? Like, we can't just pick and choose. Um, and, and I think what's just really scary at the end of the day is that these politicians are making these healthcare decisions and they have no background and they have no business doing that. And you are starting to have in other states prosecutions of women who took legally available abortion pills, Yep. right? So we're going to have that in Wisconsin if this isn't clarified. And it's hard to believe, you know, by the way, there's a procedure for judges to decide that a law is archaic, right? And therefore inapplicable, regardless of whether there's preceding laws. There was some law that uh, told us we had to design the streets in a way that you couldn't do it anymore. They would not enforce that law. There's a procedure for that. Right. And I think that's, so this goes is exactly why we are doing these rallies and connecting these real people that are, you know, whether it is women who have their own stories to even medical professionals that are coming out, they've never been politically involved before, and they're sharing their stories because this, this is real. And it's not just some sort of like far off thing. It's happening in our communities. It's happening to our friends, to our neighbors. And we have to connect the Supreme Court and like partisan Dan Kelly, who ran his 2020 Supreme Court election out of the Republican headquarters 
to these future decisions because we know they're not going to be upheld by what the law says. It's what special interests have paid for him or whatever ideology he really just pushes at the expense of our rights. Well, so Sarah, I assume you're doing these rallies because you think that if people understand the stakes, it will influence their Democrat choice as to who, who should be a Supreme Court justice. And I know it's getting out there. I was up in Appleton Tuesday night with a set, Representative Lee Snodgrass and a bunch of our members doing a budget a briefing, and I saw the promotional signs in downtown Appleton for your event. Oh, great. Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, I, I feel really lucky because we've got such a good coalition uh, working, of course, uh, with Citizen Action, where there's Planned Parenthood, Fair Wisconsin, the Human Rights Campaign, Medical Students for Choice. I mean, it is a very good um, gritty group that has gotten together and said enough is enough. And that's why we're hitting the road. Sarah, another re one of the reasons we really like what you're doing, in addition, is we're we've talked a lot, unfortunately, too much about just the air pollution that is happening with the ads and around crime and just really gross ads and it's going to get worse um this issue is from polling i've seen far and away the number one issue in this election and i think your event helps put the focus on what should be the top issue one of the defining issues in this race and cuts through quite frankly a lot of the i'll just say garbage that in pollution that's on the errors that is not really enlightening or adding to the democratic sphere. And so um, tell us more about like, just why, like if folks are thinking like, should I come get involved? It, the more people we can get out to these things, there will be media there and people do care about this. We need more discussion of this issue in the election, not less. That's exactly it. Is that how are we winning and it's through conversations. And I was literally um, talking to another friend of mine recently and she called me because she was at the hair salon and her hairstylist asked her if she was registered to vote because she was worried about choice. And she's like, Sarah, we never talked about that. And so it's conversations that we need to be having in all places. And these rallies are going to not only be informational, but we're going to make them fun. Like we're having performers, local musicians oh. who are going to be there. Um, we're going to have a bunch of activities. So if you need to register to vote or you want to canvas or get more involved. Um, so it's, it's going to be not just informative, but it's also going to be motivating and inspiring. And I think these things together are what really help make sure this issue is not an afterthought and is at the forefront of people's minds when they're thinking about who to vote for the Supreme Court and Janet is their candidate. Well, Sarah, I have been knocking doors all over the state. I've been in Green Bay. I've been in Wausau yesterday. Last two days I was in Lacropolis. I'm in Eau Claire today. And I can tell you, I'm hearing this issue on the doors. I have not had anyone when we talk about what's your, what are you most concerned with as it relates to this race? Talk about crime. Yeah. Just, and so thank you for organizing these events for leading. And um, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and talk with our listeners and get them involved and engaged in um, these events because they're super critical. So thank you so much. 
Well, thank, thanks for having me. And it's always good to uh, join you guys. And so I uh, appreciate all the work that, that you're doing and look forward to seeing you on the road soon. Yeah, I will certainly, I believe I'll probably be at the Milwaukee event. So, although I am in Eau Claire today, if there, if it was today, I would be in Eau Claire. Oh, we're bummed I, to miss you, Matt. The well, Eau Claire, like Citizen Action Group is the best. I know. And you should know we just grew by one this week. We have another permanent field person talking to voters on the doors. And I'm work. I'm going to be out on the doors with that person today. Um, so we're really excited about that because it is these kinds of conversations that we think um, are going to change the state over time. Yeah, no, exactly. It's you never can underestimate people power, especially yep. when you only win by a few thousand votes. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Sarah Godlewski. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, folks, we got to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin. As always, we're super grateful when Sarah Godlewski takes time to join us. Uh, but also we want to thank our producer, Brian Wildridge, and we really appreciate him. Folks, we'll see you next week at the Battleground, Wisconsin.